we're going to take a reading. It's actually the passage we're actually going to be moving from. This book moves from it uh, each uh, Sunday. It's Isaiah chapter 9 uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9. It's a well-known reading. You could practically recite parts of it uh, without opening a Bible or a mobile phone or whatever at all. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, Isaiah is prophesying to a wayward Israel. He is telling them that it's going to be rough for them because they have rejected God, but he is also a prophet of hope. He is telling them that uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. God has this sorted. Let me read just from verse 2, just to uh, save time. Uh, Isaiah writes, People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. We trust the Lord to uh, bless his word. So we're going to be looking moving from Isaiah chapter 9 uh, <clears throat> each uh, Sunday morning and including a few other things as well to throw some light on, on that. But uh, as we've established by now, it's here again. I'm wondering have you spot, when you spotted your first Christmas tree, I walk a dog and I'm always looking around the houses where I live to see when will I see the first Christmas tree uh, to see when Christmas is really beginning. And I love it. I make no apologies for that uh, at all. Uh, or what I love are the festive expectations. I admit, I look forward to my Christmas dinner. Unashamedly, I like my turkey and my stuffing and my roast potatoes and all uh, uh, the, the rest of it. And as long as these expectations are in place, it is the most wonderful time of the year. But the truth is, as we said in our prayer, the truth is that for many it is anything but the most wonderful time of the year. They dread its coming. You may know some people like this. They dread its coming and they get no comfort from its celebrations. It's rough, it's hard, it's difficult, it's lonely, it's almost mocking, mocking. Theirs is a Christmas in the dark. That's the first point I want to share with you. Christmas in the dark. As we said, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. Uh, 
Most of you will not be able to read that. It's too small. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7 is a reading which gets wheeled out at all the traditional carol services. Not sure if you have it in yours or not. I'm sure it's usually there. Uh, but actually, its teaching is quickly forgotten in the midst of all the festivities. Because it's all about darkness. You see, Christmas is about darkness in the first instance. It's about darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It tells us that Christmas begins in darkness. In the bleak midwinter, I, I, there are people who don't like that, Christmas Carol. They say, but it wasn't the bleak midwinter and there was no snow and the ground wasn't hard. And all that. Yeah, you have to use your imagination. The songwriters do that. They expect you to use your imagination. Actually, Christmas begins in darkness and in the bleak midwinter, if no other way, in the bleak midwinter of the soul, it's not far from the truth, is it? So Christmas is about what we do about it, do with it. Christmas in the dark. Well, the second point we're going to consider this morning is entitled Compromise with the Dark. Compromise with the Dark. You see, the people whom, I'm, I'm, whom Isaiah was uh, talking to, they were Israelites. They knew all about Israelite religion, Hebrew religion, all about the covenants. They had, all, they had the blessing of God in, in their keeping. They were in charge of telling the world. They were to be a light to the nations. The psalmist says, Psalm 27. But what Israel did, and the reason why Isaiah was prophesying to them, was that they were compromising. There was false religion in them. There was cruelty. There was, there was uh, abusing people and robbing people and dishonesty within the nation. And Isaiah was saying to them, the Lord is going to, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to just run over the top of you. That's what's going to happen to you. Dickens' character Ebenezer Scrooge, it was quoted in a little video, had a particular approach to darkness. Out of curiosity, how many have read A Christmas Carol? Put your hand up, be honest, don't be embarrassed. You're a disgrace. <laughs> you need to read A Christmas, you need to get into Charles Dickens and you need to read A Christmas Carol because he lived in a dark world. The world's always dark, but the world he lived in was a lot darker in all sorts of practical ways than the world we live in. He had a particular approach to darkness. That is the bleak world that he lived in and we live in. <clears throat> and we see the bleak world, the dark world. We see it every time we look at the news, political mayhem, social breakdown, the highest domestic abuse uh, uh, crime figures ever. It's gone down the tubes, folks. It's gone down the tubes. 
and nobody seems to be interested in stopping it. Israel, Gaza, did you ever see anything as horribly cruel in your whole life? And could no animal, I'm just being perfectly honest with you, I'm burying my heart, no animal could decide to fight with another animal and then call, call a truce for a week and then get at it again. Only human beings could do that. They're bad. They're bad. They are so dark. So Scrooge develops his own uh, brand of Christmas cheer. You, you heard it, well, it was very quiet, but you heard the very start. <laughs> Scrooge says, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. Vicious stuff, you know. This was the 19th century, you know. Uh, not, not the 20th century or 21st century. He looked out on a bleak world he looked ahead to a bleak future and he lived his life in bleakness and darkness to do what? To fit in with the world around him. He adapted himself to the darkness, which was exactly what Israel had done in the days of Isaiah. Charles Dickens, Ebenezer Scrooge would have gone down well in Jerusalem 700 years before Christ. What had Scrooge done? He had coped with the darkness by making his home in it. He had become just as bitter as life around him and everything was bah humbug. And that's an approach to Christmas. It's also an approach to life. Do you know any Scrooges? I've met a few. I've met a few question is, are you and I Scrooges? Sometimes I think I am. I talk to the kids about, I like lights. I love lights. But I like them in a certain way. When I'm at home and I'm reading, I don't like the brightness. I do like bright lights, but I don't like the brightness that I'm sitting reading. I like to have a lamp on, which is a very powerful lamp. It's one of those daylight lamps because at my age I can't read properly without a bright light and it shines down on my book and on me and I don't really have too many other lights. And then Janet comes in and she's not here so I'll talk about her and she is currently knitting a, um, an iron jumper for, for Rebecca. She's been knitting it for about a year. <laughs> and she says, I, I can't see in this light and I'm, the switch is on and a blaze of light around the room than the end of my darkness. Because there's a sense in which somewhere in there I do like the darkness. Have you ever noticed that for its best effect, Christmas needs the darkness? Tree looks so much better at night than it does first thing in the morning. Someone has said our Christmas is a very December and Northern Hemisphere celebration. The man who wrote this book and it was on the video is an Australian and he remembers in his childhood having barbecues on the beach on Christmas Day. But it's not just about dark backgrounds for nice lights. It's about mood or something like that, isn't it? That was Scrooge's problem. If you listen into any carol service, you will hear a lot about darkness and, uh, and that's about the wintry darkness that prevails in our heart. It's an inner darkness. Now, that's what this is all about, and that's what Christmas is all about, an inner darkness. It's about, in the third place, our choice of darkness. 
our choice of darkness. Jesus reveals the truth because you need to get into the New Testament to understand the Old Testament properly. Jesus reveals the truth about human beings. He says, people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. John chapter 3, verse 19, just after the famous 316. And Jesus is talking about choice here. We instinctively choose the darkness. It doesn't just happen to us. It's the way we are. It's the way we are. Many are the jokes about the fractiousness which we find at Christmas. We are surrounded by the people we love the most, and yet they often become the objects of our worst words and behavior. And that's because there is not just darkness around us. It's inside us as well. It's about what goes on inside and then comes out of our hearts. And what comes out of us is to instinctively choose the things of darkness. What did Jesus say? The things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person and these are all inside of us. Every one of us have the capability of indulging in these and more. Our choice of darkness is our nature. It's our nature. There is, that would be a terrible way to stop. There is a challenge to the darkness, isn't there? That's what Isaiah chapter 9 is about here. That's why Paul uh, says to the Ephesians, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It was on the screen earlier. Something has changed in these new Ephesian Christians that Paul was writing to. Something has changed in these new Christians. What is it? Going back to Isaiah, 700 years. You have to remember, Isaiah was writing the future as if it was already done. It was a done deal. Done deal. Going back to Isaiah over 700 years before the birth of Christ, we hear him say, the people who have chosen to walk in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, the, author, the old authorized version calls it the shadow of death. Not a nice place to be. A light has dawned. Some might think this is not very encouraging in the beginning of Advent in a pre-Christmas series. But you know what? The rest of Christmas is totally meaningless if you don't get this right. It's pointless talking about the Savior and the king, and the salvation, and all that stuff, if you haven't got the darkness right. You haven't got the darkness right. It's as if we're talking here about something called Mount Doom is towering over us. But Christmas begins with a problem which needs to be resolved, and that problem is darkness. However, Isaiah has written uh, in advance about a light. He wrote as though it already happened. We've said that 700 years plus later, it did happen, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus. Jesus. Probably none of us would want to be called Scrooge. 
And none of us would want to be known as copying Scrooge. So why do we not listen up? Why do we in the end just make our homes so often, even believers, we make our homes, as it were, so often in the dark instead of letting the light in, the light of Christ, which not only pierces the darkness of our dead souls, but overcomes it with eternal light, which is eternal life. It's amazing. That's what we're celebrating, something amazing over this season. Why do we not realize that in Christ we actually are the light? We don't have to copy the light or something like that. Jesus says we are the light. It's not just in us. It is us. But we need to believe. We need to choose to be what we are to be light. Then all the lovely Christmas lights might begin to take on new meaning for us. I have, there's nothing against them. It's brilliant. It's a super time of the year. But they may take on a new meaning and a new glow. Yesterday I heard what almost amounted to a sermon. With this I finish. Almost amounted to a sermon. Let me tell you what was in it. Faith Joy, triumph, Christ the Lord and King, the incarnation, divinity, angels, heaven, worship, adoration, and light. I heard all that yesterday. While I was waiting on Janet, who was in a queue for a rotisserie chicken in Duns on the Home Road, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. The light, the gospel coming from that Christmas carol was so clear. I don't know who was listening to it. That's not the point. You might not be listening to me. So what's the difference between that and Duns? So amazing. I'm not an emotional person, but I was almost, not quite, almost overcome with a kind of emotion. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And you know what, folks? If Duns can do it, so can we. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the season of Advent. Thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the songs of the season. Thank you for the gospel content of this, these, this, this part of the year, this end of the year. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless it to us and use us to bless it to others, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.